Welcome, welcome. Thanks for coming back and joining us. This is DB in the Heave. As always, I'm DB down here in Houston, Texas. We've got the Heave up in Denver, Colorado. We've had some great sports this week. We're going to be going over everything that we can for you today. And let me give you a quick little rundown and I'll kick it over to the Heave. We are going to update you on the finals of Wimbledon. Touch on the golf results. There's not much to talk about there, so we'll just touch on it for you real quick. Go over a couple top stories in the NFL because there were some big things that happened over the weekend. We'll wrap you up with a little summer league, and then we'll get into some MLB playoff predictions as well as kind of what's going on around the league and why we think where we're going to be for the American League playoffs. Heapser, how you doing, man? How was your weekend? Doing excellent. Doing excellent. Uh, here in Colorado, doing fine. Everything's well. Yankees and the Taylor Swift concert was the big, uh, the big draws this weekend in Denver. So uh, Denver was a little bit of a disaster. Uh, we know how the Yankee fans travel in droves. And combine that with the uh, the Swifties, which we all know how uh, how epic their uh, their following can be. Two nights in Denver sounded like she killed it. The Eras Tour is is killing it. Little women are uh, and big women, all different kinds of women are uh, are loving it, and uh, I'm sure uh, their men taking them along and uh, loving it as well. So Taylor Swift holding it down in Denver this weekend. It was great. Any JJ Watt sightings? We know he's a big fan. He's a I did Swiftie. not hear. I did not hear any J.J. Watt sightings, but it wouldn't be surprised. You know, I think he probably uh, went went to the place, went to it in Houston. Uh, have, has Taylor already played in Houston? I don't. I don't even know that. Uh, I, I, I don't. I don't done, know, man. I think she's done Dallas. Taylor has done Dallas. So not Debbie done Dallas. Taylor done Dallas. Hey, you know what? She probably did it better than Debbie, and it probably was not nearly as vulgar. So that's probably a good thing, right? I'm, I'm sure she certainly brought in a lot more money than Debbie did. <laughs> Tons more. I mean, Jesus. Tons that, more. She's killing it. It's supposed to be an amazing show. I, I don't even know that I know much of her music, but it, it is what it is there. I just keep hearing great things, and she performs for just hours on end. So, uh, yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, I did miss that one. I, I wasn't able to plop down the kind of cash that was needed to uh, to get in those tickets. So it's a little out of the uh, <laughs> the price range for the heapster right now. Whew. Uh, those tickets are out of the price range for most people who are not diehard fans. Very true. Very true. Ticketmaster's definitely ringing it in though. So ring that bell. All right, man. You want to kind of kick it off? Let's just uh, give a quick rundown of everything that happened over the weekend. Look, golf, there's not much to talk about. So let's just touch on that quick. We'll get into a little more Wimbledon and then we'll go from there. But golf, Rory won, outlasted Robert McIntyre, the lefty from Scotland. I think the hometown kid was the favorite. Rory got it. He's an Ireland guy. He's running away with the DP World Tour Rolex series. That was about it. And here we go. Here we here we here we go with the uh, the Rory hate. I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah, Rory. Uh, good showing. Scottish Open. Obviously, it's always a great tournament. Um, I'm sure, the sponsors had a great time. Uh, it was very good uh, to see Rory kind of come into form. 
it's always a good uh, precursor to the Open Championship, obviously. Uh, Rory did finish with uh, Birdie Birdie, I believe, to close out that victory. Really nice to see him finish strong, and uh, hopefully for all of golf, he's able to continue it and uh, maybe not win, but at least compete. I think that's always good for golf whenever Rory is uh, competing, at least, for majors. Yeah, it is. And he did finish birdie birdie in that crazy win. He was four under on the back nine. It was pretty interesting. But like we've said before, the big golf story is coming up with the major this week. And we'll touch on the Barbersaw just real fast. It was Vincent Norman outlasted Nathan Kimsey in a playoff to get the Barbersaw championship. I think it's his first PGA Tour win. I'm a big golf fan. You are too. Never heard of either one of these guys. I don't even see him in the world rankings when I'm pulling it up. Good for them. Happy for Vincent Norman. All those guys got paid. And that's really about it in the golf world right now. So we're all just kind of waiting on the, on the big tournament coming. We got the major. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be up early to watch. And we'll have our predictions on that for you on our Wednesday episode. We'll let you know who we think is going to win and who we're cheering for. Probably a couple yeah. different people. Yeah, congratulations to both those guys. I know uh, I have not heard of them either, but uh, it's always good to see new guys come on and uh, start strong and end up finishing the tournament strong. So maybe we'll hear these guys' names again, and uh, they continue to grow their golf game, and uh, we get to see some more uh, some more players that uh, we've never heard of. Uh, it's always a good story. I think that's one of the good things that's coming about this live merger is uh, these guys that are trying to uh, make golf their living. So the, the more golfers we have, better the competition, better for the game. We grow it in many directions. So really excited about that. I uh, just kind of want to touch a little bit on uh, Rory again. I did not see the tournament. I saw the last few holes. That was about it. So I, I'd like to kind of know, uh, did you watch it at all? I mean, what's, I mean, as Rory goes, Rory's putter, it, it, that's always the big, the, the big thing you got to look for with Rory. If he's going to compete week in, week out, it seems to be, it's always the, the, the flat stick that fails him. So I'd be interested to hear if you, if you saw him putting well, if he did putt well, I don't know if you've seen that or not. I think he did putt well down the stretch. I missed a little bit of it towards the end. It was over by the time I woke up at like 7.30 Sunday okay. morning. So I caught some of the replay Sunday evening. That's all I got. I was kind of out and about. Actually, as a side note here, I was doing some family stuff. We were celebrating my parents' 50th wedding anniversary. So I want to give them a big shout out. That's a huge milestone for them. And just love them to death. Thank you for raising your three beautiful kids and your great, your six great grandkids. And we had a great time with them and celebrating them. So do want to give them a shout out and I, we won't get too personal on anything else, but just wanted to touch on that for a second. Congratulations to that. Absolutely. My uh, thoughts and congratulations go out to your family no, we don't really have enough time to go through your entire family. <laughs> hey, we, we tried. We're not we gonna... tried to do that before. We're a big, we're yeah. a big Sicilian family. It's, you'll get lost in the wind here. We 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 we, we might we, we got to keep this podcast under three and a half hours. So, <laughs> yeah, it'll take all of that. But, but we, we got mob mob stories glory. I'm sure coming from uh, Sicily. You know, not really, but I'm sure there was somebody who I don't know who's a distant relative somewhere along the lines, but I never met those people. Not all Sicilians are mobsters, 
but it does make for interesting discussions because people love to hear it and I just don't have the stories for you. Let's keep it moving, man. Uh, yeah, like absolutely. Said, we just want to touch on that. But Wimbledon, uh, a lot of history made here at Wimbledon over the weekend. Really on the women's side, uh, as you know, you I didn't really see the women's match that much. But the girl from the Czech Republic, who I don't really want to try and pronounce her name because I know I'm going to butcher it. And you had it for us. So I'll let you hit on her name and you know a little bit more about it because you saw a little bit of the match. Yeah, so uh, Wimbledon final, uh, Marketa Von Drosovo won. She's the first unseeded woman to win Wimbledon. Uh, Won in straight set, 6-4, And it was an upset, so pretty dominant performance. We have seen her before on the stage. She has been on big matches. Uh, She's actually coming back from a big injury. She was once a top 15 player in the world. Uh, She had some injuries she dealt with with her wrist. 2019, she uh, made the French Open finalist. Um, So a comeback story. Everybody loves to hear those. And just the first unseated player, uh, 24-year-old from the Czech Republic. Uh, Shout out to her. An amazing, you know, win to win in straight sets. I thought it was uh, really good for for tennis. Uh, Obviously, I'm not a huge tennis guy, but uh, really Wimbledon has kind of caught my heart to with the, uh, all the stories and everything. Uh, plus, you know, I had nothing else to, to, to get up to at 7.30 in the morning. It was either Scottish Open or I think it was 7 o'clock actually here uh, was the, uh, the time that they uh, kicked it off, at least for the men's final today on Sunday, which uh, we can kind of go into that as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, DB? Man, I watched it. I was texted with buddies. I was talking with buddies. I think we all kind of got into it. It was so much fun. We had... Novak Djokovic, the other joker from Serbia, is the first joker from Serbia, technically. You guys got the other one up there in Denver who won the championship with you guys in the Nuggets this year. But he fell to Carlos Alcaraz, fifth set. So it was, they played it to the max and to the limit. They had one tiebreaker that came out. It was a lot of back and forth. I I felt like Djokovic was just somehow going to pull it out until that very last point. It was so much fun to watch. They were slipping. They were sliding. They were going all out. Djokovic looked like he got hurt. Alcaraz took a couple falls. That grass was getting beat up. It was one of my favorite events that I've watched. When you get to that, even if you're not a big tennis fan, you're seeing what's going on there. These guys that also met in the French Open final earlier in the year, and Djokovic won there. So I'm hoping we either get a repeat of that for the U.S. Open for their last Grand Slam, or we get some Christopher Eubanks in there and make the final. But that is what I'm looking for and hoping for. Djokovic felt like had some more unforced errors than you usually see from him. And he looked a little bit flustered at times. I don't think, I don't know if fluster is the right word, but he had some of those unforced errors. Alcaraz was everywhere. It got every shot. And I think Djokovic was pressing is probably the better term than flustered to find a couple of shots here and there. He would hit his mark and somehow Alcaraz would come back and make an amazing run at it. Keep the volley going there wasn't much rally up at the net or I'm sorry I got that backwards 
was a lot of rallies. There was not a lot of volleys up at the net. And it was just a hard-fought match. And it was just great to watch. And it was great television. We were all involved in it. And I had my phone going crazy. I was going back and forth with people. Um, did you get to see any of it? I know it was pretty early where you are, so I don't know how much of it you got to see or didn't see. Yeah, 7 a.m. Uh, watched it right away. Started watching it. Had to go do some errands in between. the uh, Right after the first set was done, Djokovic looked like he was uh, really uh, just well in control in the match. I think he took it 6-1, uh, I yep. believe, the first set. Uh, well in control. Just looked like typical Djokovic. You know, the serve was big. He he was he he was returning shots. I mean, it was it was. I think he only had three unforced errors, uh, which was just you know vintage Djokovic. Uh, and then it, and it looked like something kind of happened. I don't know if he uh, slipped and maybe pulled the groin, tweaked the groin a little bit. Obviously, that didn't come up in the post game at all. Uh, he was very 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 humble in defeat. It doesn't happen very often. Uh, he's just a great spokesman, really. Uh, but shout out to uh, Carlos Alvarez. I mean, third youngest Wimbledon champ of all time tw- at 20 years old. And a, a, a lot of people, hope, hopefully they know, I mean, this is, this is his second major title. So a second Grand Slam for him last year. He obviously won the U.S. Open uh, yep. with him bursting on the scene. Um, and, you know, to do this against Djokovic, uh, he mentioned it. Car- Carlos uh, Al- Alcarez mentioned it in his postgame and his acceptance speech. I think he needs uh, to learn to, you know, get that dialed in a little bit. I'm sure he's got PR guys that, that are working with him on that, but very, very gracious in his win talking about how uh, maybe a 36 year old, 36 years old at Djokovic's age is the new 26. Um, so he got some laughs on that deal. Uh, but all in all, what a great tournament, obviously Djokovic 23 time grand slam champ. He was going for, I think his fifth straight Wimbledon. I, I think I got that right on clay with in, in the uh, French open final just a few uh, months ago or about a month ago. Uh, but I mean, some of those drop shots that he was hitting, this kid is just going to get better and better and better. It's fun to watch. It's an amazing time for tennis. We'll see if uh, we, we've been waiting for years and years and years to see the patents and see the torch get passed. And it looks like uh, Carlos Alvarez, Alvarez is going to be, uh, is the guy to, to, to do this. And so we'll see if that pushes other guys like center that are on the on, on the bubble of maybe breaking through that hey you know Djokovic he can be beat this guy can you know we just need to work harder I mean it, it, amazing time in tennis it was great to watch uh, great set and uh, like I said nearly five hours both these guys left it all on the court this is a little off topic there but I also wonder if Alcaraz being from Spain if Nadal's sitting back watching like I think I might need to make a comeback I think I might need to get back out there we got another Spaniard out there. I think I want to compete against him. If he does, great for tennis, but I don't know that that'll happen. This was a great match. He looks like he – I think you hit it on the head. He looks like he's about to take the torch from these guys. They've gotten older. Uh, Sanford's kind of passed it to Federer, and Federer had it. And he also had to compete with Nadal and with Djokovic. And so – this might be a clear-cut guy who's coming out, and he's the number one in the world. And he's currently number one in the world. He's going to hold that ranking. Djokovic is going to stay number two. And we've got some fireworks coming down for the U.S. Open up in New York City, man. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know that Nadal has not officially retired. I believe he's injured right now. So uh, I, I think he still has some French Opens that he uh, wants to compete. The King of Clay has not hung it up yet. But uh, he has had a lot of injury problems. And hopefully we see him again because I think it'd be a hell of a show to see Carlos Al Alcarez versus uh, Rafael Nadal on the clay next year at the French Open. That'd be really good. I know they were showing some replays on, I think, the Tennis Channel after he won of uh, Nadal versus uh, Alcarez. I think it must have been two years ago, possibly, whenever he was just a baby. So, I mean, at 20 years old, I guess, is, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> is old now uh, with this guy. I mean, it's, it's just crazy to see what he's doing. Um, it's going to be great to see the Spaniard uh, just – just be poised and, and, and hone his uh, hone his skills, uh, not only on the court, but off the court. Um, and uh, it's just a great time for tennis. Like I said, Djokovic, very, very humble, a very, very gracious to lose. He does not lose very often at all. And uh, he took it in stride and just said, hey, you were better than me today. Didn't mention anything about injury, nothing like that. Uh, very gracious. He actually was in tears whenever he was accepting the, the trophy with uh, talking about his, uh, his family. So uh, I thought, you know, he's a class act, great, great, uh, great tennis player and uh, somebody for uh, Alcarez to look up to and uh, really hone his game after, even though they play a lot differently, but it's great. Love it. Yeah, it was, it was awesome, man. That's our tennis spiel for today. Definitely looking forward to the U S open, the defending yeah. champ. So he gets to defend his champ championship. He he does, and I don't think Nadal or Djokovic, sorry, has been back to the U.S. Open since COVID because he wasn't allowed to travel. He did not take any vaccines or do anything. If I remember correctly, he also even bought a company to try and disprove the vaccines. So he was trying to get there, but he wasn't allowed with the rules that they had. So this is going to be his first U.S. Open since 2019 yep definitely looking forward to it uh nfl preseason going so you'll have something to watch some, something more to watch in there in between before september comes yeah, there'll be some good september comes and man it's it's gonna be football and we'll be heavy on football then you know what let's get into a little football right now man we saw the big stuff that went down this weekend i think the biggest news was deandre hopkins don't know that it's all finalized and signed on the dotted line yet, but he is going to go to the Tennessee Titans. It looks like it's $26 million guaranteed. There's some incentives, and he can get up to $32 million, and it's a two-year contract. I think that changes the Titans quite a bit. Gives them that big threat at wide receiver. That Also, it's a weaker division, so you've got the Texans, the Jaguars, the Colts, and the Titans, and we know that the Texans and the Colts are in full rebuild mode. We saw what the Jaguars did last year. Trevor Lawrence came onto the scene, and so it's going to be fun to watch and see what D-Hop can do, and he's getting to play his former team, the Texans down here that we love in Houston. He's going to play them twice. So over the next two years, you guys, we get to see him four times, and it's going to be interesting. I think he's going to burn the Texans pretty good, though. Yeah, D-Hop to sign with the Titans is a big deal uh, for sure. But who's going to play quarterback for the Tennessee Titans starting out? Are we going to see Ryan Tannehill again, or are they going to throw Will Levis into the fire? Obviously, Will Levis, their first-round draft pick, was the guy left without a seat 
uh, during the first round uh, until the end of the first round, he was drafted, I believe, or was, no, he, he lasted until the second round actually. So he did not make, yep. he fell all the way out of the first round. Is that right? Yep. That should yep. be right. So uh, I do not expect Will Levis to possibly start. I haven't seen anything on that yet, but uh, probably going to be Ryan Tannehill's target at first. But uh, DeAndre Hopkins is one of those wide receivers that he's got enough left in the tank. And uh, D-Hop is, is, is an absolute monster. He's going to help out any quarterback that uh, you bring in to, for him to throw the ball to. He's going to make that guy look better. So um, I think it's a great signing for the Titans to uh, build on Ryan Tannehill, continuing to be the quarterback, or you know help Will Levis and give him uh, give him another target that he can uh, grow upon and uh, become uh, you know get on the get on the growth path that we like to see uh, NFL quarterbacks get on. They don't get a lot of time these days with the with the new rules and uh, everybody wanting to see what they've got with a rookie quarterback, especially a quarterback drafted high like that. Usually they like to throw him into the fire, so it'll be interested to see what Tennessee ends up doing with that. But he's going to help out whatever quarterback is throwing the ball. That guy doesn't care who's throwing the ball. He'll he'll go and get his numbers regardless. I, I agree with you, and I, I do think it's going to end up being Ryan Tannehill. Not shocked if we're going to see Will Levis carrying a clipboard for the first year, kind of be around the game, bring him in. I, I don't think there's a rush to put him in, Uh but I also won't be surprised if we see him later in the year or throughout the year for a few games. And he might even take the spot just because Ryan Tannehill does have a little bit of a history with some injuries and we see him get injured. And if that happens, I think Levis is going to be your guy at that point. I don't think they're going to go to Malik Willis. Just he didn't look very good. And I don't see that happening. You got Traylon Burks is going to be the other wide receiver. Those are going to be your one-two punch out there at wide receiver. Tight end, I don't really know how well they'll be at tight end. They've got a few on their roster, but I don't know that it's anybody who's going to be impressive. They did draft uh, Josh White out of – Josh Weil, sorry, out of Cincinnati this year as well. We'll see what they do and what they're going to run out, but we're definitely going to be getting in – to more of our NFL predictions on Wednesday. And we're going to touch on both the AFC and NFC South because we're going to start with Houston because that's where our roots are. And so we want to make sure that's where we're going to start. We'll let you guys know what we think is going to happen, what teams are going to be playoff teams out of those divisions. Even though they're bad divisions, you're automatically guaranteed one playoff team. So you win your division, you get a playoff team. I don't know we're going to see any wild cards, but we'll get into that. Uh, on Wednesday for you. So just circling back on uh, Tennessee, I do know one thing, and I have one prediction for everyone with the Tennessee Titans. There will be a quarterback from the SEC under center. That much I guarantee. That much is correct. But are we going to technically give Ryan Tannehill SEC? Uh, Wasn't he still – he was a Big 12 guy. So – the A&M was in the Big 12, I think, when Ryan Tannehill was there. He's, he's been in the league for 12 years now. We're, we're going to grandfather him in to, to, to Texas and to, to, to the SEC, I think. Uh, I, I'm going to go so. with that. I think so. With all the Texas teams, the big Texas teams moving to the SEC. He's an I, know SEC the uni- I know the University of Texas would love to use the term that Texas A&M is not in the SEC because they have been – totally demolishing them in recruiting since they joined the SEC. Texas players, we all know how deep they are. We all know how deep 
uh, the, uh, the state of Texas is for football. They live it. They breathe it. They die with it. And uh, kids in, in, in Texas seem to want to uh, play in the SEC. That's the big boy league. That's the big boy conference. And uh, they want to play the big boys. So uh, A&M has been doing a good job. However, Texas, you know, we're going to get into some college football and some predictions and some later shows as we get a little closer, uh, which I'm really looking forward to starting up our football, uh, our football marathon here uh, for the fall. Man, we're both, we're both football guys. I am too, but it's just, like we said, there's just not enough right now to talk about. So it's kind of the signings, I guess, you know what, let's stay in the AFC South because it looks like Evan Ingram worked out a contract deal to get off that franchise tag with the Jaguars. So they secured and locked up their tight end for the next three years. And I'm sure Trevor Lawrence is at a Waffle House somewhere because we know that's his uh, restaurant for celebrations, just celebrating Evan Ingram. Yeah, rare, rare deal. You know, uh, usually whenever you get franchised, we don't see a lot of franchise deals actually come to fruition. Usually whenever you're tagged, they, uh, you know, the deadline is kind of just one of those placeholders that, hey, maybe a deal might get done by that deadline. This is one of those rare situations where a deal did get done, which is kind of nice to see, especially for some of the players that absolutely loathe the franchise tag. I think it's actually a pretty good good thing for the NFL and what they've got going. Uh, but yeah, uh, $41.25 million, $24 million fully guaranteed. I'm not sure about the total uh, average per year or where that puts Evan Ingram. It's got to be somewhere in the top five, I would think, uh, as far as from a uh, standpoint of tight ends in the league. Evan Ingram, all-world all, all talent, uh, has had some injury issues. I think that was the big, uh, the big thing that's held him back throughout, uh, throughout his time in the NFL obviously, you know, if you're available. So good for him, though. He got a bag. Uh, always like to see these NFL players get paid. It's definitely the not-for-long league. Uh, I think average what, – what is the average? Like uh, four years, I think, is the running average of, a, of an, NFL's career, an NFL player's career. So yep. anytime you're able to get that money, uh, shout-out to him. Hopefully he uses it on his family. I'm sure he will. All of his boys, everything. Shout-out to Evan Ingram. Glad you got glad you got paid. Yeah, man. He's got twenty four million fully guaranteed out of that forty forty one point two five. So hey, make sure you invest it right, get your right financial planner, and you can be set up for life. And this probably puts him up there now for some NFL benefits too. So that's awesome to see. Love seeing these young guys, like you said, get their bag, get paid, and just be happy and go play football. Helps another SEC, another SEC guy getting a bag. Shout out to another SEC player over at Old Miss, uh, getting it done. So, I'm just glad that he's he's not on the Giants anymore. He's, he's not on the Giants anymore because uh, he he used to wreck shop on the on, on the Cowboys and some of those defenses that that uh, the Cowboys had. I mean, I don't know if that's an accomplishment, wrecking shop on the Cowboys. Come on now. But I'm just kidding, man. Their defense that's, that's, has been pretty good, and they've had, they've got some good defensive players. That's uh, that's another conversation, another point in time. But we'll see, man. It should be a great team again for the Eagles, and I don't want to go into too much of it, but that's where he's going to be, and he's going to have to be pretty spot on for the whole season. Yeah, the Eagles this year drafted two Georgia Bulldogs. I think that's what DB was talking about. Uh, number nine overall, defensive tackle Jalen Carter, who we just touched on, and then uh, 
the other guy who is a freak uh, at number 30 who ended up falling himself, I think kind of due to him just be, kind of being a tweener, linebacker Nolan Smith, very, very fast. Uh, reminds me a little bit of Micah Parsons a little bit. Uh, he's not quite as big and as fast, but just as fast, but not quite as big. I don't think he had as much time to really hone his skills uh, at the defensive end position. Well, I actually, I don't think he played much defensive end. So he's very similar to Micah that Micah didn't really play a lot of defensive end in college either, but he's got that twitch. He's got that bend. Uh, could be a really, really good player for the, the Eagles. So, uh, Two, two Georgia Bulldogs, uh, top two picks, two first-round picks added to that roster, already vaunted defense of the Eagles. Eagles just have a stacked team, obviously, but we'll get into that at some point whenever we do our NFC East and AFC East preview as we move forward and get closer to the season. Let's wrap up some of that NFL for them. I know everybody loves to hear it. We all love football, but we're going to keep it moving on because tonight – on Monday night, the Rockets are playing for a championship game in the Summer League. I, <laughs> I, I, I know I've said I'm not a big Summer League guy. It doesn't matter a whole lot. But, hey, you're playing for a championship. It means something to these players. It's getting the winning culture going. And I just love that they're there. And after shutting down Jabari Smith and Tari Eason, Eamon Thompson got hurt, so your top three players were gone. You still had Cam Whitmore, but we've got the Summer League final Monday night. Summer League is going to go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, championship uh, and Houston Rockets do not get talked about very often. Uh, so anytime we're able to speak about championships in the Houston Rockets, I'm all on board for here. But, uh, yeah, funny funny thing, Monday is championship game Monday. They had all of the other matchups on Sunday, a lot of consolation uh, matches. But the two games that were played in the semifinals was uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers over the Brooklyn Nets. Looks like 102-99. Uh, a little background Ooh. on the Cavs. So the highest score for the Cavs was uh, a guy by the name of Isaiah Mobley. And yeah, I didn't stutter whenever I said Mobley. There's two Mobleys on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, wasn't the Mobley that probably everybody was expected. The number two overall pick or a number three overall pick uh, in Jalen Green's draft. I think that was what, 2021, I believe. Correct. Yep, that was 2021 draft. And it was his brother. Yep. So uh, the Mobley's uh, dad was an NBA player as well. Uh, so, it's, it, you know, they ended up drafting, I believe, Isaiah Mobley in the second round this year. Correct. Uh, number, 40, 40, number 49th overall, I believe. Yep. And he stayed at USC. His brother was – Evan was a one-and-done type guy. Uh, this is going to be his third year in the league. So they got the two brothers, which is – to me, it's pretty rare. You don't really see a lot of brothers on the same team. I know the Holiday brothers did it, I think, up in Chicago. But – Outside of that, I'd be lying to you if I started trying to name the last other duo of two brothers that played together. I'm sure, as I say this now, the Morris brothers made it happen somehow. Um, but besides that, it's just it's pretty rare and it's pretty fun to see. And now their mom does not have to root for two different teams and have that split jersey when her sons play each other. 
really, really cool story about the Mobleys. Just a little background. I mean, Eric Mobley was uh, their father. Unfortunately, he uh, passed away, I think it was last year or two years ago, I think in June 2021. Uh, he was a first overall pick of the Milwaukee Bucks in 94. Um, so these guys have the genes to, to be able to play in the, in the NBA. Obviously, Evan was a little bit more talented than Isaiah, but Isaiah landed in a good spot with Cleveland and uh, really showed out some of his skills being set uh, in summer league. Uh, he, had, he had 23 points, including the game winner. Uh, obviously, they beat the net Brooklyn Nets 102-99. Uh, nine for 15, seven boards, five assists, and two blocks. So, uh, really good player. Uh, Eric Mobley was the center. I think, I think Evan's a little bit taller than Isaiah. Isaiah is a guard, I believe. Um, but don't, don't quote me on that. It does look like, uh, I believe that's his position. He's definitely a lot smaller uh, than Evan. Evan is a seven-footer and obviously plays center. So uh, we're going to see both those guys playing for the Cavs. Obviously, you're not going to see them both on the court for the Summer League finale on Monday. Hitting on the Summer League finale on Monday, I believe it's 7 Eastern. So you're going to see the Rockets versus the Cavs um, in that epic Summer League finale. It doesn't really matter. This is how it goes. It's just summer league basketball. Half of these guys aren't going to be in the NBA anyway. But, hey, we took Cam Whitmore. He was a big pick for us. And to see him playing well is always a positive sign. And especially when your top three guys that you were trying to roll out there, you know, you shut two of them down and one of them got hurt. And he picked up the slack and just kept going. He's going to be a great bench player for us to start, and maybe he works his way into the starting lineup. But got to love when you see your guys go out there and compete and go out there and win. So I don't care if it is summer league. I'm happy for the Rockets. I'm cheering for them. I'm not going to lie. I will tune in tomorrow night. It'll be 6 o'clock here in Houston. So I'm going to tune in. I'm going to watch it. I want to see what they're going to do. I hope they win. I'm probably going to be into it. I might even yell at the TV a little bit. You never know. But there you go. There you they're go. out. They're out in Vegas. They're having a good time. They're enjoying that heat out there. So it's going to yeah, be Cam, awesome. Yeah, Cam Whitmore. Uh, just to touch on him a little bit. I mean, just amazing value. The Rockets picked up at number twenty. I really can't believe that he was even there. Gives another weapon for Emi Adoka to develop. We know how well he develops young talent. Uh, I think you're really seeing the uh, the roster take shape around M.A. Adoka, uh, defensive defensive guy first. He's going to keep these guys accountable. Uh, Cam Whitmore, it's really cool to see him kind of take the lead, you know, with Eamon Thompson going down early. It's really cool to see Cam Whitmore kind of pick up the slack. And then obviously Jabari not really playing the last few games. They shut him down after two games that he, he just epically, you know, performed with epic proportion kind of uh, – looking like the, the draft pick that we thought he was going to be coming out of, uh, coming out of Auburn. Um, but can't just to touch on Cam Whitmore. I mean, he's just a baby. I mean, uh, he just turned 19 July 8th. Uh, whenever summer league just started just to be just turning 19. I mean, we're going to have this kid and this kid's going to develop and be able to turn into something special. I believe uh, he, he looks poised. He looks like he's doing some things off the ball that I, I didn't really see at first. I think he's got to work on some of his ball handling, but uh, some of the efficiency things that we saw that were kind of a red flag coming out of Villanova 
Uh, I've seen some growth and uh, the kids got nowhere to go but up with being just turning 19. And I can't even believe I'm really saying that that he's just turning 19 years old and to get him at the 20th pick with that type of upside is just uh, really phenomenal. So uh, shout out to uh, Rockets GM, shout out to everybody for, uh, for making that happen. And it's just really exciting time to be, uh, you know, somebody who follows the Rockets. They're one of the up and coming teams. So. We are, man. I'm looking forward to it. We, we're, like I said, I think we're going to miss the playoffs, but this might be the last year we missed the playoffs for a little while with this young core. So to see them start the winning culture, start with the coaching staff, because the head coach is not on the bench in summer league. He is at the games. It's the assistant coaches. So getting everybody into their systems, their way he wants to play defense and how he wants to move the ball, it's going to be good. And I'm excited about it, just like you said, man. Yeah, so shout out to Raphael Stone and the entire Rockets organization. Uh, obviously, uh, like you said, Ibeadoka was not on the staff, but uh, I have seen that he was in Vegas, and uh, he's mentoring those young kids. Uh, he's done a lot of stuff out in community outreach in Houston before Summer League, very much involved. This guy, is, is his fingerprints are all over this team. Uh, Raphael Stone is, is allowing him to kind of make this team his own. And uh, I think we've got a really good coach. I'm really excited to see uh, where the next steps go. Yeah. So as NBA keeps moving along and gets closer to the season there, we'll get into more and more. But as I think we've told you a few times already, we're in the dog days of summer. So we're when we're looking at the big three sports, it's just baseball. Football's kind of hanging out, waiting for us. NBA's hanging out, waiting for us. Hockey's not in there, so we'll throw them as the big four instead of the big three. And what we've got right now is coming off of the weekend, a lot of baseball. And we had the All-Star break last week. And after the All-Star break, everyone came back. Play resumed on Friday. My Houston Astros ended up winning their series with the Angels 2-3. to And at that point in time, we remain three games back from the Texas Rangers, and there's a lot of baseball to be played, and I think we're going to have to hop into some of our baseball predictions of what's going to happen moving forward and where we're going to end up in the American League for the playoff pitcher, because me and you completely differ on this one, and I want to kind of hear what your takes are on this and kind of maybe if you have any takes out of the first half of the season that you liked. As well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I can't talk about the dog days of summer without mentioning baseball. So I'm kind of glad we we we, st- we kept and saved this till last. Really, uh, one of the only things that's going on uh, as far as the three major sports or four major sports that uh, we're talking about. Uh, a little bit of news coming out of MLB. Looks like Guardian starter uh, Shane Bieber, the 2020 Cy Young Award winner, landed on the 15 day day DL with uh, shoulder inflammation. Uh, everybody that knows anything about pitching knows that you, you, you don't want to hear about the shoulder barking. Uh, that's an injury that's really hard to, to, to come back from. Obviously, whenever you're a uh, whenever you're a non-pitcher and for a pitcher, it could be even more devastating. So that's a huge loss. Kind of leads us into a little bit of our predictions of what's going on in the American League with the expanded wild card. We now have, I believe, six overall teams. So they're adding another wild card. Used to be... 
uh, five teams out of each league, a 10-team tournament. Now we're up to 12. So one extra wild card is now available. So we're looking at six teams in the American League. I don't know. You want to just start with maybe uh, AL East, possibly? Best, yeah. best division in baseball since uh, we, we, we want to talk about the AL. So let's start with there. What, what are your predictions for the AL East? The AL East is actually going to give you, to me, they're going to have three playoff teams. So we're going to have their division winner, and we're going to have two wild card teams that are going to come out of the AL East, okay? So obviously the, the Yankees are going to be in that one, I would think. No, we're not going to get the Yankees. We, I wow. think it's going to end exactly how it is now. I do think the Orioles, they're on an eight-game win streak. The Orioles are hot. They're one game behind Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, they did lose, but they're three and seven in their last ten. I still think they're going to figure out a way, if they don't win the division, that they are going to be a wild card team. But I do think those top three teams in Tampa, Baltimore, and Toronto are going to be our three teams, okay? I don't know that the Red Sox or the Yankees are going to make it. I just don't see the Yankees making it this year, man. I think it's going to be the year that the Yankees aren't in the playoffs. I know Rob Bamford is somewhere listening to this, just throwing a shit fit because he does not want Boston or the Yankees sidelined in any MLB postseason. We know how much he loves the Yankees. But I do think it's going to be Tampa, Baltimore, and Toronto out of that division who make the playoffs. In what order, I do think the Blue Jays are definitely the wild card team. If Baltimore stays as hot as they are, they might take the division. And Tampa comes in second in the division. And Toronto figures out a way to hold on to their third spot in that division. And if you really look at it right now, I mean – there's three teams that are pretty hot. The Orioles, the Blue Jays, and the Red Sox in their last 10 games are all eight and two. The Orioles are on a four-game win streak. The Blue Jays are – I mean, I'm sorry. The Orioles are on an eight-game win streak. The Blue Jays are on the four-game win streak. But I think those are the teams there. Uh, with Cleveland's ace getting hurt, that moves us down to the Central. Uh, I'm going to take the Twins to win the Central and actually have the worst record out of any playoff team. I just – the Central Division is so weak. Somehow the Tigers are still six games behind. The Guardians are two and a half. But those are the only teams that have a shot. And I don't think the Tigers have any kind of a real shot to do anything to make the playoffs. I think they're about a season away from taking the Twins. I uh, just think they figure it out. They're going to make it into the playoffs. And I don't know if the Astros win the division this year. I think the Rangers have played well. They're still playing well. And I do believe the Rangers win the division and the Astros sneak in as the last wild card team. But with that said, once our hometown Houston Astros get in there, I think they're a tough out. I said before, I don't, I picture them probably even making it to the ALCS, but definitely into the division series. They'll make it out of the wild card round. They're going to be a tough out. They're a scary team. Jordan's going to come back. Hopefully Altuve stays healthy and comes back. And the Astros gave us two thrilling games yesterday and today against the Angels and just runs galore 
in the last three innings of those games. So it was fun to watch. So hopefully everybody did get to see it. Uh, they were on national broadcast today, and they did not disappoint. They put up five home runs in the last three innings, four runs in the bo- in the top of the ninth, and then give up a home run in the bottom of the ninth and hold on and get the W. Uh, with that, with that kind of disaster of a uh, of a performance, I believe they were up by six runs, and the last team to come back from a six run lead, I think you got to go all the way back to 1930, is what I saw um, on some of the highlights, which is uh, not the right list to be on on Saturday night's game. Uh, Astros came back and took the series, took the rubber match. Uh, Should have been a sweep, but it was not. And uh, it was it was it was a hell of a game too. Uh, Chaz McCormick with two home runs today. Uh, he also had a hell of a game the night before. So he looks to be one of the hottest Astros hitters in the lineup right now. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of moving parts here. Obviously, we've got um, trade deadline coming up. Teams are not going to look exactly the same uh, as what they look right now. I know some teams are kind of struggling. Kind of takes me into. Uh, I guess I'll just go into my some of my predictions now that you, DB, have uh, thrown yours out. We definitely differ a lot on the American League East. Uh, I do not see the Yankees missing the playoffs. There's too much talent there. They're treading water with Judge being out with the toe injury. Uh, he took batting practice because they did play. They did just drop a series against the Rockies, which isn't the best look. That happened this weekend. Lost two or three. Uh, they they lost the home uh, the, the opener in Colorado might as well have been a home opener in Colorado because there were so many Yankee fans in there. Uh, obviously, uh, you know in Colorado the, the, we're not showing up for the baseball we're showing up for the weather. At this point in the summertime, which the weather was incredible all weekend for that series, a lot of Yankee fans in the seats. They did end up ta- losing that series. Uh, they lost the series. There, they lost the series rubber game today uh, with Garrett Cole on the mound. So wasn't, but he he pitched a gem. He only gave up one one earned run. The bullpen really let him down. I just don't see the Yankees not with Judge coming back. I think they're going to go on a run. I think the Yankees are going to be okay. It, it's very rare to see them in last place, though. It is a little concerning. I think Yankee fans can agree to that. But, you know, Judge is so talented that I, I think he's going to be able – they're going to be able to get it together. So I got uh, – I actually have the Orioles possibly taking over Tampa Bay. They seem to be taking on water. They got started at a, a really hot, hot deal. I think the Baltimore Orioles – I'm going to go with the Baltimore Orioles to win the AL East. And then uh, Tampa Bay holds on to a wild card spot. I do not see the Toronto Blue Jays holding on to that last wild card spot. I think the Yankees take it. Uh, they will be the uh, the third wild card team that gets in there, and uh, that's my prediction for the AL East. So I see Tam- I see Baltimore taking the division, Tampa Bay, and then uh, the Yankees moving up to uh, Toronto's spot to finish right ahead ahead of them. Uh, in the Central, uh, it's a very concerning the Shane Bieber injury. Uh, I would not be surprised if we see him get shut down at some point. Uh, I know it's early to say that he just landed on the DL. I, I don't like to hear shoulder issues with an ACE. I think they're going to protect him. I, I, I could see him getting shut down at some point. Uh, maybe it, it, depending on how, how they, how they do while he's on the DL, I think it depends on whether they make a move, whether they don't, it's just really hard because they, that could stay in there because the twins just have been a very inconsistent mess seems to be hovering around 500 
it's one of the worst divisions in baseball, if not the worst division in baseball. I think it is the worst division in baseball, actually. Um, so I, I'm I, I'm going to stick with the Twins winning the division, but it could get dicey. I think the Guardians could could win the division too. I think that's going to be one of those divisions that comes down to the last game of the year. In all honesty, I, I have to take a look at their schedule to see maybe, maybe they're playing Cleveland and Minnesota at the end of the year. I know it finishes with division games, so that wouldn't surprise me. I'd have to take a look at that. And then in the AL West, this is just so hard for me to really predict, especially with the uh, pending trade deadline and what the Astros end up doing. I think the Astros are going to get healthy. I think they could take the division. New, the new word with Framber Valdez now, I'm a little gun-shy. Uh, Framber kind of left the, the, his last start on Saturday uh, with a little bit of a calf injury. I don't think we've really hit on that. That's somebody right now that they really cannot afford to land on the DL with all of the starting pitching injuries that the, the Astros have had. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the Astros will find a way to win this division and the Rangers will end up as a wild card is what I'm going to go with right now. Might be a little bit of a homer thing there. Uh, that that could go – I mean, both they, they could either or end up. The Rangers or the Astros could win the division both, both out there. I mean, there's a lot of moving parts here. We've got Michael Brantley injury. There's just, you know, Jordan Alvarez. How does he come back? Is Altuve going to be coming back soon? This team can get hot, and they haven't gotten hot. Bray started to hit the ball a little bit. I, I just think that the Astros get it together. However, the pitching could become a problem, especially yeah. with Fromber, Fromber having the, the, the calf. We'll see how long that lingers. Especially, I agree with you, man. And to get into that a little bit more, I think if Fromber has a calf, that's really going to hurt him. You've got Garcia, who's already out. Javier's had his struggles that we've talked about on here before. And Arkady's not in. If we could get Keedy back, man, that would be huge for us right now. I do think the Astros might start looking for a starting pitcher. It's been talked about a lot. Our bullpen has got a lot of big money in the bullpen. They may try and find the lefty in the bullpen, try and find something there, because it's pretty much all right-handers. If my memory serves me correctly, I don't even know that we have a left-hander in the bullpen. So they may try and find one there. Uh, so much going on with the Astros right now. Replagued as well. If they do get healthy, I could see them winning the division, but we differ. I'm taking the Rangers to win the division. Rangers feel like they've been a little healthier. They've played. They're hungry for it. I, I just think they edge out the Astros. And I think it's going to come down to the wire there, and it's going to end up being maybe like a one or two game lead that they take over the Astros into the postseason, but I also feel like the Astros postseason experience keeps them moving forward and keeps them moving throughout the postseason. Uh, Jeter, I heard him touch on it the other day. His favorite team in the American League is still the Astros, and he said it himself. It comes down to experience. They've been there. They've played these games. Hey, Jeter's one of the greats of all time. I'll listen to him. He's got quite a few rings and knows what he's talking about it seems like so we'll see where it goes it is gonna be a photo finish i think for the wild card teams and the al west 
again, I like we're both on the Twins in the Central, and we're a little bit different. I mean, we have pretty much all the same teams. You've got the Yankees. I've got the Blue Jays. We both are leaving off Boston. Boston's another team that's tough to leave off. The Red Sox and the Yankees are always teams to leave out of there, and I'm leaving both of them out. I'm excited yeah. to see the second half, man. Yeah, just to touch on what you're talking about, uh, I could see a move for a reliever. The Astros moving for a left-handed reliever. Dusty Baker loves the left-handers, and uh, he does not have a left-hander in the bullpen right now. You are correct on that. So I uh, would not be surprised to see a bullpen arm there. I think they're going to shift, actually, from looking for a bat to looking for – or you might see some smaller moves, kind of like what they had last year, just to add to the team. I don't think you're going to see them go after a big bat now. Uh, I could see them be more um, kind of low-key moves, uh, I believe. Um, somebody that's not going to be quite as expensive. We're not going to be in the Shohei Otani sweepstakes. However, I don't, I don't really see Otani even hitting the market. Uh, I think the Angels are not going to let that happen. I think they really want him to re-sign. Uh, but, you know, you never know. They might, they might decide to be sellers. Uh, there's just so many things and variables with the trade deadline. I think we're going to know a lot more here in the next, you know, three, four weeks. Whenever the trade deadline hits, uh, what, what some of these teams shape out to be. But hitting on the Astros, yeah, the pitching has been – the bullpen's been pretty solid. Uh, they're one of the better bullpens in the league, even with uh, Rafael Montero's issues that he's been having. Uh, but the, the game on Saturday, the bullpen definitely left it, left it out there. Uh, Brian Abreu just got totally destroyed whenever he came in, um, gave up some pretty big bombs, and uh, it, wasn't the be- it wasn't the best moment that we've seen. Uh, but, you know, there, a, guy, a guy by the name of Christian Javier has to get things together for the Astros. Uh, he is very, very much regressed uh, to the point that he is not the same pitcher he was in the postseason. Not really expecting him to be the pitcher that he was in the postseason. It, it, it's very hard to compare these guys to the postseason run that the Astros just had between starting pitching and the bullpen. They just totally dominated. Uh, they had a lot of depth, and they were able to lose that. The depth's just not there really as much anymore with all the injuries that, that they've sustained. That's why it's so big that Fromber going down, and I guess we're just going to have to wait and see how that, how, how that works its way out. Hopefully the guy just is able to, to stay in the rotation. But uh, at this point, if he, if he hits the DL, Christian Javier, there's a lot of pressure on his shoulders to really start performing and, and get back to that place that he was last year, or at least, uh, rem- at least somewhat – be that guy the, the you know the the dominant innings that he's able to put together you don't need him to be as dominant as he as, as what he was and throw no hitters obviously but uh you know he he needs to be better than what he's been this year uh getting to Javier he's got to be some form of what he was last year he doesn't have to be the same guy he's got to get that rising fastball going he's just got to get us some quality innings uh, we've really picked up our hitting, so I agree with you that I don't know that we're going to make a move for a bat. I think we're going to make the move for pitching. We'll see where it goes. And the last guy that we didn't even touch on, who also left the game last night, was going to be Jeremy Pena. And we don't really have much of an update on him and when he might be out. Uh, they're going to give him a. We got a couple days off before we end up in Colorado, so he going to be off today which was Sunday and then hold on I gotta cut that too he was off on Sunday and now he's going to be off today on Monday and he's going to maybe be back in Colorado 
I don't know if he comes back Tuesday. It might end up being Wednesday or Thursday, somewhere in there. But I hope to see him back. I hope to see him back quick. As we all know, he was the Gold Glove winner. He was the ALCS MVP, and he was the World Series MVP. Most mind-blowing rookie year we've seen a while in baseball. So if we can get him back, we can get a few of the other guys back. That would be great. It would be awesome. Jordan, I think it's set for his assignment, rehab assignment, here in Sugarland for AAA. So, you know, if the Space Cowboys could use him, use a big bat in their lineup, maybe I'll have to go out to a Space Cowboys game just to watch Jordan hit on some AAA pitchers. Yeah, so a two-game set against the Rockies is set to begin on Tuesday, Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Thursday they will be in Oakland to start a four-game set against the Athletics. Uh, Astros really need to make some hay against these teams that are really abysmal teams. I mean, they're two of the worst teams in baseball on, on, on the front burner here. Uh, so two games against the Rockies and then followed up by four games against the Athletics. You got the uh, second-worst team in baseball, you know, followed up by the worst team in baseball uh, with the So uh, Astros, they, they've got some moves to make, and uh, some of these injury concerns are not the best of time. So – Hopefully, Chaz McCormick keeps raking the ball, and uh, he stays hot, and uh, Brayu can stay hot as well. They can, they can pull out some wins because uh, they really need these victories against these bad teams. Got to beat bad teams in the, in the majors if you're going to make the playoffs. You have to, and hopefully we don't play down to our level of competition that we are known to do from time to time. Getting a little homery on here because we love these Astros, and they've just provided so much joy down here in Houston. Hey, they provided some good times for me and you, man. We got to see them in a few playoff games and go to a couple games together when you're down here visiting. So it's always been fun. I Absolutely. just can't wait for the second half of baseball and see how it goes. But to touch kind of on some of our, we've had some pitching injuries with our starting pitchers and we know the pitch clock got instituted this year. Do you think any of it is related to the pitch clock? I, I don't. We don't have the stats on that to show, and we got to look through the whole year. You can't make that a snap judgment mid-season. But do you feel like that could be a problem? The pitch clock maybe a little quicker for these guys, and especially even for Javier being off of his mechanics because he feels a little more rushed. How do you feel, and do you like the pitch clock? I don't think I've ever asked you that. So I am not really a big pitch clock guy just for this reason. This was one of my things that I hit on. Uh, obviously, when we were doing a podcast before. That was kind of my, my first impression of the pitch clock. That was the first thing I talked about or I, I came to my mind was, uh, you know, how are these guys? It, it's so much stress on the arms that uh, will these guys be able to have the conditioning to be able to uh, really withstand the quicker game, uh, the, the, the quicker – momentum of the game. Uh, yeah, I think there might be something to that. We don't have all the data yet to really uh, dive into that. I think you're going to need either a full season or maybe even two seasons to see if there is an uptick in Tommy John, an uptick in some of these injuries. Really, we've seen upticks in Tommy John surgery in general and arm injuries for pitchers going on the last five to seven years. So I don't know if you can really put it on the pitch clock. I think it puts more pressure on uh, some of these guys to be able to just get the ball and uh, uh, maybe they're not as conditioned because usually that's a working, a work in progress through spring training. We see these guys get their arms 
you know, uh, strengthen their arms throughout spring training and to not have the, as much time whenever the beginning of the season starts uh, that they're just having to grab the ball and that pitch clock, you know, constantly uh, pressure and down that they, that they, they, they're not able to get a breath. They're not able to, to do that. I think it could be something to that. A couple years of uh, data uh, I do kind of have come around a little bit on just, you know, at first I was like, well, what's, what's an extra, you know, 25 minutes, but uh, watching the game seems to be a little more exciting uh, with the pitch clock. Um, not really. I, I thought I would see myself kind of at like a 24 second shot clock violation in the NBA uh, whenever they instituted that. And not that I was, you know, watching basketball before the 24 shot or the 24 second shot clock. I thought I'd be looking at the, at the pitch clock the whole time. Like, Oh, is he going to make it? Is he not? I don't really see myself doing that much. seems like they've settled in and they're able to, to, you know, change the pace of the game. And it, it has helped move the game along a little bit. I think on average, it's something like 24 or 23 minutes uh, less. And I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but you can definitely tell that uh, it, it makes a difference as far as with the pace of the game. Definitely. Uh, whenever you're at the game, you, I think they need to get rid of the uh, no no alcohol after the uh, mid seven. Hey, they've done that in quite a few stadiums, and they so they have made those changes. To my knowledge, it's not in all stadiums yet. Uh, a place like Oakland, I think they stopped serving alcohol what in the fifth inning once all the fans leave. They might they might need to do that in Oakland because they're a little upset about uh, the uh, pending uh, relocation to Las Vegas. Yeah, the future Las Vegas athletics. Um, but, yeah, to me, I've not been a fan of the pitch clock. I do feel it's a little rushed. You lose some of the cat and mouse. It is probably better for the game. In watching Wimbledon over the weekend, they've got a 30-second serve timer. I wonder if the MLB bumps up that 15, 20-second pitch clock to like a 20 or 25-second I think it could happen if we get all the data to show that there are more injuries and it might not be major injuries, but just guys going on the 10 day DL. And I think if that happens, they'll do it for injury purposes. But if runs are going up, there's no need to do it because as we all know, we love offense. We chicks play dig, fantasy chicks dig the long ball, buddy. Chicks dig chicks, the long ball. They absolutely do. That's why they all love your dog. You've got to look at it. I think from a different perspective, if we look at it in a couple of years and we're saying, man, there's been a lot more injuries to pitchers. Hey, let's maybe go to 20 seconds and 25, do something a little bit there just to help and preserve arms in the bodies of these pitchers. Because especially for starting pitchers, if, if you're pitching six, seven innings, it, there's a lot of wear and tear in your body for a relief pitcher. I think coming in and you're only pitching that one inning, it's not going to be as big of a deal, but I could be completely wrong. I mean, very wrong because I, I just don't know. There's no stats on it, and we just don't know. So let's see what it becomes. Uh, the other big change in MLB this past year was the enlargement of the bases, which brings you a little bit closer. We've seen a lot more attempts at stolen bases and a lot more stolen bases. I absolutely love the larger base. I love seeing guys steal, and I love seeing them run. I think it adds excitement to the game, and it's just great to watch. You see a, a guy on first take that second base, especially in a later inning, close game, get him into scoring position. 
you make the games closer. You make you create offense, and we're gonna watch. It's it's proven. So I, I'm loving that change. The pitch clock. I'm I'm still out on. I, you like it more than I do. Yeah, I was definitely uh, big time against it at first. Uh, it's kind of started to come around on me a little bit. Uh, I think, you know, we've been talking about the pitchers with the pitch clock. Uh, we haven't really hit on some of the hitters and how they've adjusted. I uh, noticed this in the game, I believe it was on Saturday night, that uh, Kyle Tucker, Mr. Old School, uh, usually no batting gloves, has moved to batting gloves now. I think that might have something to do with the pitch clock. He does not have as much time to really grab that dirt that he usually does and, and, and do the things with his hands. So he just decided to get rid of, since he can't touch the dirt and doesn't have time to do that, he just decided to just go uh, new school with the batting with the batting gloves. So he, he got rid of the black Guerrero old uh, and, uh, uh, you know, former, former Astro uh, uh, Moises Alou. Yeah, uh, uh, going the old school. Kyle Tucker is not going old school anymore. He he has the batting gloves, and uh, he doesn't even touch the dirt or bend down. Uh, he's he's changed his approach. I think hitters have had to adjust. We haven't seen a lot of Altuve. He was one of the slower guys as as well, getting in and out of the box. He's had to adjust as well. I haven't really noticed as much uh, with any of the other Astros, but I did notice it with Kyle Tucker that he was wearing batting gloves. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Yeah, and this isn't the first time he's done it. He did it last year towards the start of the season when he was in a slump and he put on the batting gloves. And sometimes when he's not hitting, he does go to batting gloves, but now he's with them. And it looks like he's with them forever, and he is hitting the ball. He crushed one this evening uh, in the ninth inning. Right after Bregman, he went back-to-back. We got a Breggy bomb for a two-run shot, and then we got a – Kyle Tucker, just absolute bomb, and he watched it. And I love when I get to see a hitter watch it. He got a little strut, a little bat flip, went right around the bases. So it was, it's always fun to watch that, and it's no doubt home runs are fun if it's your team. If it's not, they're kind of crushing. They're kind of soul-crushing, man. Yeah, I think maybe some of this might 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 have teams rethink their uh, you know depending on the long ball. I know that's been a big point of conversation with uh, Yankee fans. Uh, whenever I was up in New York a few weeks ago, uh, that was definitely hit upon that uh, they're just really tired of seeing the uh, the reliance on the home run ball. They they would love to see more of a small ball approach, timely hitting. Uh, that's really hurt the Yankees down the stretch um, in the last few years. And uh, to hit on the Yankees, just, you know, with our playoff predictions, again, I just want to reiterate that I just don't see the Yankees, you know, I, I want to see the Yankees in the playoffs. You, you can say that I like to root for the Yankees, which I really don't, but I do so like to on, see. So hold on, hold on. For all of our fans <laughs> out there, we've got to make it known. Jordan is honestly a closet Yankees fan. He doesn't uh, want anyone boy. to know it, but oh, he is boy. a Yankees fan. He loves the pinstripes and – he, he does cheer for them, and he likes them when they're in there because New York is big market and good for baseball. Uh, just got to let everyone know that because we keep hearing you bring them up. So I'll let you finish your thought there, but have to give I, the disclaimer out for everybody. I, I, I wouldn't exactly say a closet Yankee fan. I know you like to give me, uh, give me the business on that a little bit. But, uh, I, you know, the Astros have had such a great run against the Yankees. Why wouldn't you want to see the Yankees in, 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 in the playoffs again? Uh, I think Yankees versus Astros. I mean, Yankees fans aren't shy about saying that, uh, you know, the, the Astros have owned them. 
You know, I think it gets blown out of proportion a little bit about, you know, all Yankees fans saying that, you know, oh, they're cheaters and they're this. I mean, they, they boo their own players. They're going to boo certainly guys that, that are uh, talked about for cheating and in the 2017 cheating scandal, scandal. But I assure you that most Yankee fans that I know aren't saying that the reason they cannot get over the hump with the, with the Astros is because of a trash can. They know that it's deeper than that. They're, they're, they're better fans than that. They're more knowledgeable. I don't think you have a lot of Yankee fans that, that, that won't come out and say, look, the Astros have been the better team and they have not been able to get over the hump. So they own that and, and they want to see them get over the hump as well against the Astros. I think any Yankee fan out there wants to see Yankees versus Astros, whether that be in the ALCS. I think they would rather see it in the ALCS again, just so that they could maybe get to a World Series because it's been a while for them. They're, they're in a little bit of a drought, especially you know, whenever you consider the success of the Yankees franchise. But by no means am I a Yankee closet Yankee fan. Uh, I, I will say that they have the best uniforms out there. Uh, um, it, it definitely in MLB. Um, the history, uh, everything is, it, it's, it's really, really special whenever the Yankees are uh, in October. So I want to see them in there. I think they will be, but by no means me wanting to see the Yankees in there has any effect on why I'm picking the Yankees to actually make the playoffs. Uh, there's just too much talent, too much offensive talent. And Aaron Judge is a, is a great guy as well. I mean, you can't root against the guy. I want to see him back in the lineup. I want to see the Yankees making a press for, for, for that last wild card spot. Um, and uh, hopefully they do. You know what? We're we're gonna differ on this, and it's gonna we'll we'll keep touching on it. But I really hope they don't. I wouldn't mind <laughs> seeing them take a fucking skid and just be done because I don't know. There's just something about the Yankees that drives me absolutely nuts. So I'm not cheering for them in any way, shape, or form. And I just like I don't cheer <laughs> for the Red Sox. I don't like either one of those teams. Maybe I just don't like the storied teams in the MLB. So that could there's be some, it. There, 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 there's something about the zoo in October, you know, in, in, in the in, in, in the fall, you know, being being in in in, uh, in the Bronx in the fall, uh, it's got a special it's got a special thing in the air that you you, you can just tell. And uh, whenever Yankee fans are uh, into their team and uh, they're in the playoffs, uh, baseball's definitely better. Well, you know, we, we're going to differ on opinions there. So <laughs> I'm not even sure going to. Keep going. I'm not even going to keep antagonizing. He doesn't even want to give me a response to that. No, I, I, I just don't agree. I'm not. The Yankees don't move the needle for me at all. They, I'm not tuning in to watch them. I, I guess I'm just sick of them. I appreciate everything they've done. They have carried. They carried baseball for a while. They made baseball great, but through the Jeter days and with the Braves and everything else. It, they're great to watch back then, but I, I'm out on the Yankees. So. so so if we ever have a time where the Yankees are actually, you know, successful during these playoff runs, we might see PJ uh, um, make, make a run for the Hills because he, uh, you know, if he can't stand the Yankees now with the lack of success, I can only imagine what our conversations would be if the Yankees are able to turn that around and uh, Mr. Cashman and uh, Hal Steinbrenner are able to, actually make good on some of these promises they've been promising these Yankee fans for, uh, you know, going on a decade now, maybe even be longer than that. Oh, it's, it's been quite some time, man. They just haven't done it. I think their last 
World Series was when A Rod was there, huh? He was uh, shooting up with steroids and getting getting them championships. <laughs> Here we I, go. I, I was a fan of steroid era baseball, man. Watching Barry Bonds hit and hit and hit, and McGuire and Sammy Sosa those towering home runs, five hundred plus feet regularly. It was enjoyable. And pitchers were on it too, so it all it all leveled out and playing field was even. So A Rod did it and got caught, but that's neither here nor there. There's players that got caught with it recently. I think Tatis Jr. was the guy who sat out last year for a long time over there in San Diego. And I know for you NL fans, we haven't got over to the NL yet. I promise you, we're bringing the NL to you on the next show. And we're also going to be talking a little more football. Like we said, we're going to be giving our breakdown on some NFL predictions of where we see the season going for a couple divisions there. So, so just to, just to hit and close up our MLB, uh, it's funny that you are actually helping the, uh, the Yankees out a little bit. So maybe you are kind of a closet Yankee fan with uh, picking the Minnesota twins to make the postseason because there is no franchise in baseball that would love to see the Minnesota twins in the playoffs more than the New York Yankees. Uh, lifetime 16 and two record against the twins in the postseason all time. They just, you know, you want to talk about a team that has a daddy, uh, the Minnesota twins have a daddy and that would be the New York Yankees. If the New York Yankees fans love, want to see those Minnesota twins in the playoffs because they want to see that postseason record get a little bit better. So, and nothing, nothing, nothing bodes better than that than, uh, playing, uh, playing the Minnesota twins in the playoffs. That's like automatic win. Yeah, but you're going to get uh, playoff Correa, and he'll carry the Twins over him. So I'm not even worried about it. Carlos Correa is one of my guys. I just think he is a gem at shortstop. Unbelievable glove and arm. The best arm we've got at shortstop in baseball. Uh, I will argue that point until I'm blue in the face. There's just no better arm at shortstop. And if that ball gets to him, good luck getting the first because he's going to throw you out. Well, he better do something a little bit better than what he's been doing because uh, his line right now for the 2023 Twins is uh, he's hitting a robust 232 average with 81 strikeouts, 40 RBIs, and uh, 74 hits, 33 runs scored. Not sure about his power numbers here, but uh, he's definitely a power outage kind of guy. Um, they are really struggling. He is really struggling, uh, and it's not even really injuries. Uh, I think he's regressed and taken a step back. Uh, Astros might have been good to not give him that contract. It's looking that way, um, just like the uh, Springer contract uh, has not been that well for the Toronto Blue Jays. So uh, I'm happy the Astros did not pay that money, uh, especially whenever we just move a guy by the name of uh, Pena right, right, right in there, and then he uh, wins a World Series MVP. Yeah, cold. And a gold glove. Uh, and a I gold mean, glove, absolutely. Just so. awesome. It's fun to watch. But, uh, hey, man, I think we're kind of hitting to the end of this today. Absolutely. Let's get – we're going to get back on Wednesday. We've already kind of teased where we're going with Wednesday's show. I hope you guys tune in. We're getting some great following already. So it sounds like if people like it, we're getting some good feedback. We're going to try and make our adjustments as I'm telling anybody who listens and, and people have suggestions for us, we're taking it to heart. We are learning on the fly and doing this on the fly because this is something we enjoy talking about and we get passionate about. 
and that passion you have you've seen today started to come out a little bit more and more as we get more comfortable talking with you guys every day. Just let us know what you think. Let us know any topics, anything at all. Uh, we te- told you guys last week we're up on social media. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. We've got threads. And you can always email us. Everything is going to be DB and the heave, and it's all going to be spelled out. So you can hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, or threads. And then our email is going to be DB and the heave at gmail.com. If you've got anything you would love for us to talk about, let us know. And we'll try our best to get it on the show. And so you can hear about it and interact with us. And as we keep growing, we are working on getting some fun guests for you guys as well and make it a little more engaging in that aspect. Yeah, appreciate the uh, the experience. It's been a learning experience. Uh, any, anything you guys have suggestion-wise, we'd love to hear it. Love to talk about sports or anything you guys want to talk about. Uh, you guys as teams, uh, hit us up on the email, like, subscribe, do everything you can. Uh, we, we, we love having the audience and uh, we just kind of want to grow this thing a little bit and uh, see where it takes us. But uh, appreciate the opportunity and everybody turning in and everybody tuning in. It's going to be a heck of a journey and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, man. So with that, we're going to call it a night, call it a day for you guys. And we will see you again on Wednesday. Absolutely. Hopefully uh, Astros victory in, uh, in the mile high city. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that goes, but uh, thanks again to everybody and uh, look forward to it and uh, tune in next week or uh, tune in on Wednesday actually. And uh, we'll go from there.